Today's episode of Peers to Peers is powered by Shopify, the leading global commerce company that's shaping today's entrepreneurial economy. What started as three mates in a coffee shop trying to sell a snowboard has ended in thousands of employees around the world, bringing over 1.7 million businesses to life. You could say Shopify is a peer to us and entrepreneurs around the world. So peers, if you're looking to start your own business, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Kidnor, founder of leading Australian podcast agency, The Peers Project, and your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite an inspiring millennial entrepreneur from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. We've all heard the saying, good things come to those who wait. Well, Peers, our next guest proves just that. I'm so excited to welcome Spandana Naka onto the show today. Spandana is the co-founder and CEO of tech startup Sleek, an app that uses AI to assess venue wait times and develop dynamically priced priority lanes. Essentially, it's for those of us who are too impatient to wait in lines and want to skip the queue. She is a force to be reckoned with and a Forbes 30 under 30 listee. In today's episode, Spandana and I dive deep into the importance of remaining curious, overcoming rejection and challenging traditional trajectories. For those of you who haven't yet, make sure to take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story and tag us at The Peers Project, so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs. Okay, without further ado, welcome Spandana. Spandana, welcome to The Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And um, you have an amazing accent. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Look, you know, you and I recently connected via LinkedIn. And, and when I looked into you and all of the amazing work you're doing in consumer tech, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah. Happy to share. Amazing. Great. So look, for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. My name is uh, Spandana. And then for those of you, like uh, it's, it's pronounced like a bandana with an S and a P. And uh, I, I moved to US about, I'd say roughly like around 10 years ago, but, but I come from India. Uh, I, I grew up in Dubai and uh, I'd say like one third of my life is actually spent on each of these places. So I, I truly think I'm a global citizen. And uh, I came to US for, for my master's at Stanford and uh, 
then went to work for Google as as a product manager. And uh, recently, I've started Sleek, uh, which is in the consumer tech space, but but also an AI company. Uh, what we do is we've taken a very simple application of AI, uh, something which which might seem like a an obvious solution or or as seamless technology as possible, but but there is a lot of high tech going in the background. Uh, if you go to a crowded venue or or you see a lot of people lined up waiting for something or like people just just lining up one after the other, uh, that's that's how we as humans tend to do things. You just just line up and wait for your turn. Uh, we've what Sleek is doing is is addressing to that solution uh, with so much of advancement and technology. It, it needn't be that we still continue what's what's been around for centuries. So what we've done is uh, we've provided a priority lane option. Uh, anyone can hold the spot for free. Uh, you can understand the ETA what what time it would take for you to get service. But we also provide an option where under five minutes service is available, but you pay a dynamically surged pricing. Uh, you've seen highways do it, a special express lane. You've seen airports have PSA free checkout lane. And we are bringing this to an everyday venue where uh, you could, could just get a faster service. And uh, the businesses themselves benefit from it because it's additional revenue to them uh, that has even bumped up some of the businesses by 20% revenue, which, which is a pretty big deal to them. And customers are happy. The ones, nobody has to wait in the line. It's a win-win experience for everyone. I absolutely love it, Spandana. I think, you know, when I looked into the business, I was like, oh my goodness, I've never seen this before. It's so cool how you're yeah, you're tapping into the space and you're really creating a product and an AI solution that's just kind of never been done before for humans, for us in lines. Um, so I absolutely love it and I can't wait to dive deeper into your work. But before I do, I'd like to start with a question I've often found to be very insightful and revealing. And that is, what was it like growing up across, you know, in India and then across the UAE in Dubai? You know, what was that time like for you and how do you think it impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? Sure. Um, I've recently like come across this term called third culture kid. I, I did not know for a long time what it was, but I've honestly always felt I belong in any group that I go to, but also I don't feel I don't like people don't understand me or, or there's this need of wanting to fit in, but wanting to adapt yourself, wanting to like behave like everyone around you is behaving, but but in internally you kind of feel that you don't belong. And and I've always wondered that because uh yeah, like growing up in India, well, I was born in India. My family moved out when I was uh, about two years old. So I would technically say UAE has been the home, but I, I, I'm not from there. So I don't think of that as home. And then last 10 years have been in the US, but, but that also is not home. So it's, it's always had, the, I've had this mixed feeling when someone asks me, where are you from? It's always like, well, like this is this from so i would say that's that's been a, a good thing and a bad thing 
the good thing is i can fit into any group or i don't feel that i it it doesn't scare me if if you put me in a different situation or a place i can adapt or i've learned the qualities to like uh, mix within any group so that's good but uh, yeah like um, it would be nice to be like okay this is who i am these are my my qualities or core values and then this is up about it but i feel myself evolving or like i think like i've picked up a piece of each of these places and and that's built my personality and and me as a person so yeah i'd say that it's so so fascinating you know for those of us who have only kind of ever grown up in one place and we've never left and you know all of that what advice would you give to us around being more adaptable becoming more adaptable feeling more comfortable in those kind of new situations and different places you know what advice would you give and do you think that being adaptable is something that we can develop even if we haven't you know had the experiences that you have i'd say uh, like these these countries that i grew up in uh, india versus uae versus us like politically they're very different uh, india being a democracy but but yes a democracy of of sorts uh uae being being like uh, truly a monarchy or sort of and and america but religiously culturally they're very diverse as as nations and uh, how their demographics are travel is one thing which has really helped me open up my mind like when i've traveled to uh, parts of europe like by myself like prague or um, like brazil uh, like traveling and truly understanding how people live there or uh, what works what doesn't work in uh, each of these countries has really helped me understand where someone is coming from like until i visited hong kong or like uh, like knew what what they were going through like uh, speaking to somebody from china versus hong kong it really helped me understand their culture better so traveling is one thing but uh the past year with covid and all that and then no travel i think what's really helped me is watching a lot of history or uh, documentaries about different countries uh i'm a very curious person learning about mongolian history or roman history that's that's really helped me understand where these cultures come from like what motivates them like yesterday i think i was watching a show about like how there is a different type of bending machine or every single thing in in japan and and uh, there is like 23 vending machines per person or something like that so that that was interesting i actually just couldn't agree more i think you know when we start to surround ourselves whether that is online watching something or being part of an online community that's a global community or whatever it may be or actually traveling to different places living in different cities and countries i think that just so does open us up and i think it allows us to be just that much more kind of empathetic and understanding of different cultures and people you know has there been a time for you perhaps when you moved to the US and once again it was a new place where you struggled to be empathetic and where you struggled to perhaps be understanding and, and, and perhaps you were a bit confused maybe there was a culture shock you know was there ever a time for you that you really just struggled with understanding a different culture or a different kind of way of living yes yes i'd, I'd say so i think um 
another experience which shaped me or or i would think is the foundation of of who i am is uh, having grown up in a boarding school i did like go to a boarding school where there were international kids from from different countries and uh, living together at a, in a in a community like setting at at the age of 13 that really helped uh, me to like mingle with people or be empathetic or or actually see why this person is saying this or how do they perceive what i say to them like how would they interpret it so that's been the thing but culture shock yes uh when i just got to the boarding school i think the the first few months of uh moving about in in groups or taking sides or uh yeah i i would think the biggest culture shock was then or uh having to do everything yourself or the getting into that disciplined rit- uh, rhythm and routine was was the part where i took the longest to adjust to uh but once in and out like once that system was able to like uh, chew me in i i i really liked that for me so so fascinating i love it so i want to dive a bit deeper into the story you know so grew up you did the boarding school thing in the uae and then you made the move as you said 10 years ago to the us you studied at stanford as you mentioned i think it was a masters of engineering and management talk to us a little bit about that time there the move to the us studying at you know such a prestigious college and kind of what you struggle with the most during that time wow like uh yeah it's, it seems like a long time ago <laughs> but uh i i think uh, the thing about the uh, schooling in the us like how that was different was was something new to me uh throughout my life i think like uh there was a lot of uh importance put on grades and uh, the way to get these grades was usually memorize or like uh, like uh, have this by heart answer the questions theory like like that was the way to get good grades and i was very focused on that versus coming to stanford and then seeing like how projects were were more important presentations or doing case studies and uh, the whole curriculum was was more about practical applications of of education versus it felt like throughout my life i was i was getting good at theory but but practically in life like how that applies was a piece missing and uh, stanford really um, i think like uh, helped me like uh, level up in in that sense and uh, yeah like uh, the school has been great the the alumni is is the biggest asset uh, till date like uh, anyone i reach out to is a stanford alumni is, is happy to get coffee or give me advice and the name opens doors to an extent but it's it's what you build from the school and I, and i think the biggest thing it's it's given me is access to the alumni so so interesting can you talk to us a little bit about once you've kind of gotten through your degrees and your masters and then you decided to go work at Google you know can you talk to us a little bit about 
that decision to follow perhaps that more traditional route and go off and get yourself a great job at Google and, you know, excel there versus perhaps exploring something different. Can you talk to us a little bit about where your head was at when you were graduating, what your vision for your life was at at that point, and perhaps were you struggling at all at that time? Did you ever think like, what am I doing? You know, can you talk us through those feelings and yeah, what your experience was? There is so many things in my life. If I like look back and think about it uh, at that time, how much they mattered or how important they were was this today thinking back. It's it's like, what was I thinking or like what, what, what was going on? I think um, I, I tried to hit all these traditional milestones. Um, I guess going to Stanford, then going to either Google or Facebook, that's that's kind of like what's expected of you. And uh, yeah, like I getting into Google was, was something that I really, really wanted to get to. And that, that was what I was aiming for. There are several options that I could have taken, like having done a company right away or uh, trying to do a company could, could also have been an option. But honestly, like, I think being aware of, of what all is possible and also like having worked for a startup, that's that's also a rub. And uh, I think being aware of, of what the options are and then making a choice is something I would have told my younger self if, if I had the choice, I would have. But uh, back in the day, I, I guess I had blinders. I was looking at Google and I was like, okay, that's that's what I need to get. And uh, I joined initially as uh, like uh, one of the PMs on Google Fiber team. And then Google Fiber was, was just like uh, starting or, or was in its infancy stages. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the experience at Google was great. No, it was amazing in the sense I understood truly how many departments there could be, what role of each department is, how that plays into making this this product work or Google Fiber work or eventually get Google working, uh, understanding the role of different departments, different VPs. I, I still don't think I understand even 10% of what Google does or what those departments are for. But uh, it, it uh, opened my eyes into like, this huge organization which which has nailed it right uh, it's it's uh, like one of the most respected companies in the world and uh, they really treat you well as in google is truly invested in you from your career point of view i've had all the resources i could uh, like get my hands on to all the projects i could get my hands on into like people are really open and uh, willing to like talk to you to like uh, tell you about whatever it is that, that you have questions with. Um, so I, I worked in different departments. I mean, I started as a PM, but I uh, worked on the business development team. I eventually worked with Google Play. I uh, did some angel investing. I, I met uh, my co-founder there, uh, who's, who's currently working with me on Sleek. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was a great experience. Uh, I Google Fiber, which did not have any customers when I joined, to Google Play, which had billion plus users on its platform. Uh, I got to see different stages of a product. And after spending, I think, nearly four years there, I thought I knew everything I could to start a company, which is, is again, not correct at all. 
and uh, I realized that I don't actually, I didn't even learn mm. like 1% of what I needed. When we find ourselves in businesses trying to understand what's happening in those early roles, you know, trying to figure it out, but perhaps we feel a little bit like we have more to give or there's something greater out there for us. How do we gain the courage to kind of take that next step or perhaps look within to figure out what's next for us? Did you ever have a moment at Google where you just thought, this is so amazing and so phenomenal, but is this it? Was there ever a moment like that for you? And if so, how did you navigate that? Sure. I, I think like uh, motivation or like what motivates a person is uh, different from an individual to individual. Uh, some people are motivated by perhaps challenge, like someone talking down to them or someone saying you can't do this. Some people are motivated by uh, someone encouraging them. Uh, there is different things. I think for me to... Uh, feel like I, a lot of my friends have started companies or, or have been doing startups and uh, being in this network where people are always talking about how they are tackling new challenges, be it hiring or like be it like filing for taxes or uh, like uh, employee insurance or a particular growth marketing strategy. I think like these conversations, talking to different people, uh, that that uh, that curiosity or or I would say like I was most motivated by their ability to grow or or having this experience of, of a variety of challenges versus my role seemed more and more uh, I would say like mundane uh, pretty much this is what I do and then I just need to do this one thing go to work and, and do this so I think that is when I was like, okay, is there more I could learn? I, I am capable of learning more or I would like to be in the middle of these challenges. I don't know what these are, how I'd solve them, but uh, sure, like that sounds fascinating. So I think that was, was what led to me feeling like, okay, maybe uh, it's, it's time for me to take the step. And uh, looking back, like, I mean, I, I think I was at a point at Google where I was like, okay, I should either change teams or I should should pick on something more that would be challenging to me. And uh, yeah, like this, this seemed like the perfect time to yeah start a company. It's so, so interesting. And I love asking those kind of questions around kind of why take the leap? You know, I think if you're working at Google as like the dream job, right? As you said, like people, you know, the community is amazing. You're learning a lot. I think it's just so fascinating as to like why people decide to go out on their own. And I guess I love asking that question because that's something that even for myself, you know, thinking back, it's like, why did I decide to start in my mid twenties, like go out on my own? It sounds crazy. You know, did you ever have a moment where you were like, oh my goodness, maybe I should just stay in this comfortable position. Like it seems like kind of a good option. You know, what was your experience like from leaving Google and then starting Sleek? And I guess, did you work part-time on the business? Like how did this work or did you just go full in? Where was your head at? How did it work for you? And how were you feeling at the time? 
I'd say, like, I mean, I, I was actually like, uh, I think trying out a few ideas was, was something I uh, was working on. But uh, I think eventually when, when the decision to leave came about, I think uh, I had another, I mean, I started working with my co-founder and uh, like he quit his job. So I was like, okay, like, uh, now that somebody has and is trying out ideas, I, I think I should follow. So I think that that plunge happened more organically versus me feeling like, you know what, I, I should quit. So that was the case. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I do think about the opportunities I could have uh, used at Google to, to grow uh, versus starting a new company. But I mean, it's, it's again, like a path you take, you continue on that path. There's like at that crossroads, when you've made that decision, there's, there's no looking back. But uh, yeah, I mean, like there are obviously like every Google product is, I mean, there's, there's at least five or six products with, uh, at Google, which, which have more than a billion users. So any, any tiny change you make is impacting the lives of these many people. So uh, impact wise, yes, Google has a great platform to, to change the lives of, of people around us. And uh, yes, like from time to time, I do think about like, oh, like someone quits when my designer quits or someone isn't like responding, right? It's like, yeah, things were good at Google. Or, oh, yeah. Like, things were good with a steady paycheck. You know, that was, that was a good time. <laughs> oh, oh, the biggest, biggest thing I felt the challenge was learning to cook. Mm. <laughs> like, uh, I love that. Amazing. So I want to talk a little bit about Sleek. Can you talk to us about where the idea came from, kind of um, how you developed it, and what were those first few steps that you took to really get it off the ground? Sure. Um, Initially, I I suppose the idea came about when I once was at at this bar in, in London where waited for about an hour um i was i was with friends and eventually my card declined because it wasn't an international credit card and uh, i think i was thinking about oh like if, if there was an app or something that that would have been cool and turns out there is thousands of apps which which do that that bar didn't have that but uh that's not the problem uh there have been these apps, but these apps haven't actually worked out. Uh, the reason being, there is no incentive. The business has to pay to let people to come to them and, and uh, use this this service. And the owners or the vendor, they feel that, okay, the customer is already at my premise. If there is a line, they wait in the line. But why am I paying extra to get a customer who's, who's already on, on my grounds? So that's been the reason why they don't like it. And the customers are like, okay, I, yeah, sure. Where do I discover this app? Or like, um, it's still like not telling me when to come back or what's the wait time or whatnot. Uh, what we have is, is a more dynamic price, which the business model is, is the most unique thing about our product. I would say, uh, businesses pay nothing. And any customer that doesn't want to use uh, like a priority lane doesn't have to pay anything. So it's it's free for everyone to use. 
the only people that want a faster service they are paying and and they are offsetting the cost for everyone so if if you see yourself in a situation perhaps like waiting for the apple iphone next release like this people who've been waiting for two days sure they sure they could hold the spot but also someone who wants to pay $200 to actually get ahead is is offsetting the cost for everybody else so fascinating so from a bar in london to a full blown business like how, how does that work you know can you talk us through kind of the early stages of actually developing the tech and then kind of starting to implement it with businesses you know can you talk about perhaps some of the challenges that you faced in the early days sure um I mean uh, we we started uh, building i would say versions of the product and trying it out in the open in the in the wild actually so we picked a park in San Francisco uh, Presidio Park and uh, there was this particular event which was happening called off the grid uh it's it's like there is food there's music there's yoga in the park like very San Francisco and uh, every week around 2000 people gathered here uh, just just waiting to get like be a part of this experience and uh, there was one vendor who had line which at any given time like i mean even before he opened shop there would be at least 20 people lining up and and they were selling like hot fried chicken sandwiches and uh, we worked with them to see like what we could do and uh, every time we talked about okay like we will let people place orders and you can fulfill those orders they were like sure that that works but people could also just stand and i don't want to pay anything and when we talked about the dynamic pricing or or how our business model works where they are actually making more money than and then the limited product that they have which is the sandwiches uh they said they've thought about like how the huge line is great for marketing and it attracts more customers but if there was a way they could like use that in a way to monetize it and and that's and they thought about like if they had like an express lane and there was a separate lane uh for people who wanted to pay extra but they were concerned about their reputation like people would not like it like oh they get to go faster because they're paying extra like that's that's not nice and uh, we had a solution which which seemed perfect for them where uh, people were scanning a qr code uh, you get two options either wait 50 minutes sure do that or under 5 minutes but this is the price you pay to to get it faster and uh, we tried out this ex- uh, experiment in in the most scrappy way as as possible um and it was on fire like uh, everyone flocked around the poster in fact there was more crowd around the poster than the line at at some point because it just seemed to people that there's no reason to wait in the line and uh, we got so much orders through it that the vendor was like okay take down your poster we don't have the capacity so then we played around with dynamic fees and then uh, tried to bump up the fee or like as someone pays the next person is shown a higher fee and like adjust the limits like 
maybe only 20% of the people get to pay or like 80% of the people should actually be able to use the free option so what numbers should we show and things like that and uh, eventually we arrived at we made about $600 in in one hour uh and for this vendor that that was 20% additional of of what he made in and uh, that really moved the needle and uh, i think at that point i was like okay there's there's something here if this random park in san francisco and uh, this small vendor who makes like 10000 dollars in a day is is able to see this difference then there is huge stadiums there is festivals there's coachella so can't wait for you guys to be at coachella that would just be oh my goodness I want to talk a little bit about the dark side of business. So you know, I think so many of us have this misconception that oh, starting a startup is so sexy, you know. Oh my goodness, I get to be my own boss and I get to, you know, help people and make such an impact. Yes, but also it's hard. You know, can you talk to us a little bit about some of your greatest failures to date some of your toughest moments and how you've gotten through it huh. well i mean the whole journey is going to be an ups and downs throughout the time like i i never realized how much of up and down it, it feels even in a day um it's it's been a roller coaster ride and if if i actually want to talk about some of the low points i think pandemic was one <laughs> all the live events I, i think they going silent and uh, we just were raising our pre-seed round in the middle of it and uh, initially as as things started going into lockdown I, i think everyone was like oh that's just going to be a couple of weeks or okay a month or okay two months but it, it just kept going so i think by far that 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 was the that was one impact that we had to face but um, yeah they've been like you get rejected all the time by people and and uh, being comfortable with that is the biggest lesson to be learned like investors rejecting you investors talking about like okay why I don't see this or customers being like okay yeah this doesn't really make any sense or users not liking it or uh, yeah like your employees or people quitting people not wanting to work or people not believing i i think there's rejection from all sides so being comfortable with the rejection and keeping on pushing i i think uh, that's that's uh, the biggest lesson but also what pulls you down uh, so so uh, there is that and um, other things yes i mean like all of this fascination you talked about like starting a startup is sexy like uh, we hear more in silicon valley about like startup founders or startups raising money than than any celebrities so uh, there's there's also intense competition from like okay it's been a year we should be at this stage or look at this company or look at that so there's there's also that which continuously like affects you how do you keep going when you feel like oh my gosh i've been at this for a year or you know i'm three and a half years in or five years or 10 or whatever it may be and like i should be at this certain part but like i'm not how do you keep going 
when it seems like there's not really a light at the end of the tunnel? Sure. Um, I mean, I've, I've talked about the downs, but there's also the ups. And as a startup, we, we've experienced both sides. So yes, it's it's one minute of like, okay, I don't see a way out or like, where is this going? Or this doesn't make any sense. And then the next minute feeling like, okay, this, this person just accepted their offer or like, okay, like uh, this customer just said yes, or there is this thing going. I mean, we recently got featured in uh, Forbes AI50, like was like, okay, we are on fire. It's a rocket. Because <laughs> yeah. been these ups and downs, but um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the goal is to keep learning, keep uh, trying to like understand what went wrong. What are the lessons you don't want to repeat? Um, what are the lessons which are very costly? And, and um, how do you find these patterns again in the future? Do not repeat these mistakes. I think uh, learning these things uh, like changes you as a person too. And, and uh, that to me is, is the most valuable thing. Uh, if I look at myself from like uh, 2014, uh, that version of me to like, the version today, I'd say, yeah, like my experiences, uh, like everywhere in life, they've, they've changed me. But uh, I, I think doing a company, I think I've, I've grown more as a person than I did in any other phase of my life. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that is a blessing. Mm-hmm. I actually couldn't agree more. And I think you know, it's so easy for us as founders and as, you know, those trying to do something a bit different or, you know, to just kind of get caught up in all of the struggle because it is such a upwards hill battle majority of the time, you know, and it's actually just like what you said, it's just so right. It's just recognizing our own personal growth. And I think that also ties into perhaps when you were younger and you were moving different places and you're kind of growing at such a rapid rate because you have to adapt and you have to learn so quickly. And, you know, I think it really aligns with that. What are you most excited about for Slake? Uh, what I'm most excited about is, um, I mean, we right now are, are a pre-seed company and uh, I, I'd say the biggest thing I'm excited about is CDC today, seeing you don't have to wear masks anymore <laughs> if you're vaccinated <laughs> and uh, in an indoor location that, that really does um, apply to the live events industry, which which happens to be a bigger portion of our customer segment. So that to me is something I'm excited about. And uh, yeah, like getting new customers and, and all of that. That's, that's exciting. Mm. I love it. We cannot wait to follow along the journey. And I've got a couple final questions for you. The first one is, you know, over the last kind of year in business, as you mentioned, you've really gone from strength to strength. There has been lows, many lows, but there's also been amazing highs. You know, for example, as you mentioned, being featured in, in Forbes, and then I think you're also Forbes City under 30 list D. So absolutely amazing. You know, what are three key pieces of advice that you'd give our peers out there listening that you wish you got when you were just starting out? 
um i would say exposure like a lot of people don't really know what their options are or what's possible or how much they're capable of i think uh, people just tend to follow the herd around them like uh, when i was at stanford i think like being around people who thought getting into google was was everything i think you just tend to follow the herd but uh, being exposed to all the options you have and and understanding that there are unlimited options and figuring that out is putting yourself in different networks meet people meet people that uh, you are inspired by or meet people that educate you help you grow as a person or or you find the the uh, career challenging i think like uh, meeting the right set of people or or the the friends that i eventually made led me to like understand that okay there's more things in life than to go from a company a to company b or like just just focus your uh, life on hitting the milestones i think that that was one advice i wish i had uh, when i was younger uh second is perhaps believing in yourself uh i mean even today like if if i were to say do i think luck plays a, a part in my life i'd say yes uh yeah i mean a lot of things uh i don't know if if i actually it was my hard work and and my effort or if it was luck i i tend to lean luck but uh yeah believing in yourself i i, I should do that more but I, in anyone else too like understanding that people who who seen success they are not that different from you everything is learnable it's just how much of interest and effort you are willing to put in yourself so that's another lesson that i think is is something i've learned amazing two super valuable lessons look i just want to take a moment to acknowledge you spanana for all of the incredible work you've done at you're doing for showing us you know and particularly us women young women and women of color that if we have kind of an ambition or a goal to change things up to go down a different road to what's perhaps expected of us it's okay and we can do it and we can get there it won't be easy but for that we really appreciate you so the final question is how we finish every episode of the peers to peers podcast and that is what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about oh i would think uh it makes you happy it makes you wake up in the morning and actually be excited to get out of the bed uh, i'm not a morning person and uh, like waking up in the morning to me would always be like oh why don't i like do things at my own pace versus after having started sleep or after like doing something that i've i've always dreamed of doing and eventually like getting to that i think uh it's it's been uh something which is on my mind all the time that's that's what wakes me up in the morning and uh, just just having this constant north star to chase after is is um is been blissful because it gives you a goal in life and uh, yeah that's that's in some way like finding meaning in life i love it i 
absolutely love it. Oh, yes. Spandana, thank you so much. We have had a blast. Where can we learn more about you and Sleek? Uh, I am on, uh, well, LinkedIn, Twitter. Those are the places to find me. <laughs> Amazing. And Sleek? Um, it's uh, www.sleektext.com. Amazing. We'll link them up in the show notes. Thank you so much again, Spandana. It's been so awesome. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Remember, Peers, we're here to help you turn your passion into a business. And so is Shopify. And so if you're looking to start your biz, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Peers, that's a wrap. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest beer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. We produce with passion and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst 